Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman, and flying in on an American flag parachute. Oh, I was about to say. What did you think I was going to say? I was like, are you making, are you mocking me? Oh no. Oh, you thought I was going to. Fucking gonna... asshole. <laughs> you no, thought I was going to reference the thing we were talking about off mic. Fuck you. Uh, no. It's Hunter uh, Howman, everyone. Hello. Uh, yeah. So we're recording this 4th of July weekend. Uh, we'll probably go up after the holiday. You know, nothing too big happening. The, really, the big movie of the weekend is Minions, The Rise of Gru, which I have not seen. And I haven't seen any of those movies, and I don't plan to. However, I did go see Mr. Malcolm's List yesterday, and the energy at the Cinemark Raleigh Grand <laughs> was horrible. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was raucous. No, well, it was, but oh, it was hor- okay. it was horrible. It was just, and you look up at, they have the old style, like, um, they have the old style kind of pixel screens above mm. each thing. So it's like, this is the whole hallway of movies. And literally it was Minions, 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 Lightyear, Mr. Malcolm's List, Minions, Minions, Minions. I'm surprised that there wasn't a Top Gun in there, considering... Top Gun was on how... the other side. There was one oh, okay. Top Gun. Yeah. Have you seen the the TikTok videos with... The, apparently, the new TikTok thing to do is to, like, a bunch of broy frat dudes to, like, dress in tuxes and go to, like, sold-out Minions screenings? Um, I haven't seen that one. I do know... Um, So, I love... Like, I love video games. I follow a, a ton of video game people. A big thing that a lot of people do is uh, whenever there's a new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, they get dressed up and go see Sonic. So... Guess, guess Daniel Feingold is probably, like, flying in on an aircraft of his own or a parachute of his own. Yeah. He is admittedly a huge Sonic and Minions person. Yeah. So it's definitely like, it's something I've seen with other stuff, but I haven't seen them doing it on, on TikTok with, with Minions though. I I will say I have been following the, the Minions uh, jokes on Twitter though. There's been some very, very good ones. Yes. Well, we're not talking about Minions this week. I wasn't quite sure how much of a conversation that was really going to be. I don't really know what to say about the Minions at at this point, other than, I guess, kids like them, and that's about it. Um, I didn't even know kids still liked them, but I guess, like, I was... I mean, granted, I'm not surprised that I'm out of touch with kids, and I'm not really, like... so. You know, whatever. If you don't want to, apparently minions are still in. But uh, something that what I thought looked like one of the better Pixar movies of the past couple of years is not. So I never saw Turning Lightyear, Red. Oh, well, Lightyear. Yeah, Light Lightyear is Lightyear just looked interesting. I was like, wow, something looks interesting for Pixar for you know that's going to theaters. Yeah, that's kind of the, the problem. Is it's ultimately not that interesting of a movie it, that's fair it's, enough. it's sort of um turn turn break the fourth wall be like fine like a three out of five star fine yeah. airplane movie with a like really great you know, we, we i talked about it on the show like great opening minutes but kind of turns into a little bit of 
I don't know, just yeah. doesn't just lacks a certain kind of specialness that the best Pixar movies have. Yeah. But, so. Um, but I figured what we would do is kind of take a a temperature check of the year in movies thus far. How how do you feel like the first six months have been now that we're kind of halfway through the year, especially considering how weird and negative the past two years were of like COVID in 2020 and yeah. then kind of half in half out COVID of last year where, you know, we were championing some movies, but everyone else was like, well, if it ain't Spider-Man, I'm not yeah. going. And it seems like people are for the most part kind of going back to the movies this year and it feels a little bit normal. Yeah. Um, it's a weird thing because on one hand, like, I, I'm looking at my list of my favorite movies I've seen this year so far, and, like, there are some genuinely great movies in here. Mm-hmm. But as I look at my list, um, I think I have... Mm, three studio movies in here of okay. a list of, like, 19. If okay. you don't count, If you don't count Focus Features as a studio sure kind of if you if you do five yeah oh well six if you count searchlight also but like it there's just it's the 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 studio movie making scene this year is kind of dismal i think Mm. so i think outside of something like which we'll talk about in a minute with top gun but like it's kind of just like, oh wow, this is this is not good. This is really uh it it it's content. Content, content, content. And it's just a little It's a little dismal. It's a little dismal, it's a little um just a little heartbreaking. But also, admittedly, I haven't seen everything there is to see this year though. So um, you know, I look at something like, uh, like Elvis. I haven't seen Elvis yet. So I know some people uh, love, love Elvis. I know some people don't. I'm, it's, it's very much so a, a Baz Luhrmann. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mixed uh, on Elvis while saying yeah. that I can't wait for it to come on HBO Max to it's probably revisit certain it. sections of it again, even yeah. if I don't think it, to, it, it is a movie to debate with other people if that means anything. Yeah, but for like, better or know, for worse. But like, if you just look back on the rest of it, it's like, okay, cool. What do we have? We have like Doctor Strange, which like there were moments. A, but a like, bad Marvel movie that eventually turns into a pretty fun Sam Raimi movie. E- exactly. Say. Yeah. Um, and then you know you have something like fucking morbius which it's oh, yeah there, there's value covid in the, had to bring me to finally there, watch that and even i then i regret there it. is value in something like morbius because it brings people together because everyone fucking hates it it's one of those things like it, 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 that just illustrates my point of the dismalness of it that being said you can at least find a little bit of fun in there of like you know Mm. of that but like jurassic world i didn't see jurassic world but like i don't need to have seen jurassic world sonic the hedgehog 2 not gonna lie kind of enjoyed it but like still not it's not um it's still content yeah for the sake of it you know um 
I, I, I'm kind of looking at my sort of ranked list of everything I have this year. Like, maybe not so much kind of like breaking down I haven't what's ranked made. everything I've seen this year. I only put the ones that I really liked. Oh, yeah. I, I am obsessive and keep the, the full-on ranked list that I just update throughout the year and keep private until I'm... Con- until I'm happy enough with it that I can share it with other people. But um, I, I would say it's, I'm noticing like a pretty solid variety of different stuff. Like, you know, some big blockbusters like Top Gun, which I love, like the Batman movie. The Batman um, was, I mean, honestly, I have Batman ranked higher than Top Gun, but I just feel like Top Gun is the one to discuss because it is kind of a blockbuster's it, blockbuster. Yeah, it feels like the certainly the phenomenon of the summer, but yeah, if, absolutely. if not if not thus far it seems like the phenomenon of the the blockbuster phenomenon of the movie year. I think it is like the highest grossing movie of the year here in it the is. states now and is yeah. Tom Cruise's biggest hit ever. Um yeah. what since wild. you brought up the It is wild. I mean, I I think it fits it's because it is a movie that like an older audience, like not, not necessarily elderly, but like an older audience that maybe is like, you know, to kind of bring us back to the Dr. Strange thing of like, I don't want to have to watch like 20 movies and a TV show to understand what's happening. Like, you know, the one thing that you could like it or not say unequivocally about the Top Gun movie is it pretty much understands that like all people need with Top Gun is just, tom cruise flying airplanes yeah just you like, don't what even it... you don't even need to see the first movie no you can have never seen the first you one should. You... yeah you could have seen it every day and be one of your favorite movies you could have seen it like once when you were a teenager and be like i yeah. kind of remember that but yeah you know it you can go into it pretty fresh and it it is sort of targeted at an a, a blockbuster targeted at an adult audience member that yeah. maybe is like how does this connect to the DCEU? Like, I can't keep up with that. Yep. It, it's just like, it's Tom Cruise in an airplane and people are like, yep. sold, here's my ticket. Yeah, no. And it's one of those things like, here. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the first Top Gun, but Top Gun is a movie yep. that I think is worth seeing because of all of the very, very uh, huge pop culture moments it created from the 80s with all of the yes. needle drops and all, you know, before needle drops were needle drops, you know, before it's, like- it's a f- flawed movie that is fun to watch now for its it is a bevy of 80s cliches both good cliches and bad ones Mm -hmm. um but interesting and i think it's worth watching for the cultural relevance so a lot of like pop cultural relevance to it not the best movie not like the best movie ever made i feel like top gun maverick kind of flips the script on that and that i don't think that there's that there's not that many pop culture like wow people are going to remember that in the culture 20 years from now but people are going to remember the movie for being great Mm -hmm. yes yeah it's like it's kind of which one do you want and i would rather be the latter if i was a filmmaker but you know rest in peace tony scott you know like yeah i i saw it for a second time with some friends uh a few weeks ago and the the energy in the theater was still oh rock raucous of like there was a group of like Georgia Tech college kids sitting next to me who 
were like by the that last 30 minutes were like standing up and screaming and like yeah. grabbing each other it's of crazy like i would say even with the people i know like the most like hardened anti-american like communist radicals going to see this movie scowling going in and by the end it's like usa usa (laughs) that's powerful maybe a little dangerous but who gives a fuck lady gaga makes a song in it yeah people people in the second time i saw it people were still like hooping when just like looks jennifer connelly gives tom cruise in that movie and like flirtatious exchanges people were like in the theater there was literally a moment when i like whenever they do a close-up of jennifer connelly's face in that movie my first thought is am i a heterosexual (laughs) maybe i got this all wrong huh she can just she's just allowed to look like that bitch there there were still like there were women hooping and hollering when like the glenn the powell scene. and and miles teller were like taking their shirts off in that i was like kiss kiss come <laughs> on do it there was there was one girl in like the georgia tech kid crowd next to me who like in that volleyball scene like it it was like the the scene in elvis where El- where the, the women are screaming in the audience of just yeah. like the moment of like Miles Teller doing his like flex flex dance, just like yeah. something came over her. She was just like, ah! <laughs> and this is 2022. Could you imagine what that volleyball scene did to women in 1986? <laughs> I mean, like, well, not even women. Like, let's. I don't know why I was just being heteronormative there. That was gross of me. Um, God, yeah, no. I mean, ew, it was lovely. I do wish it had been volleyball because I do think like volleyball gets cast as like this feminine sport sometimes and i thought top gun did a lot of good things to it because i actually like playing volleyball um but the you know we can play football whatever it's fine do i'm not like the biggest football fan in the world but do kind of identify with john ham and that scene coming on the beach being like what are you doing of like you're not even playing football what is this like nonsense yeah that you're and why is everyone in jeans yeah, but it's a great. I mean, um, people. I mean, there were obviously the think pieces of like Top Gun is American propaganda, and I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Are you right. blind? Are you blind? It's also propaganda for the Navy. I literally was like, should I have been a pilot and gone into the Navy? And then secondly, there's uh, it's also uh, propaganda for the San Diego Tourism Department. You too can have a house as awesome as Jennifer Connelly and just be a bartender. It's not even that awesome. It's just kind of like a normal house, but it's like, look at the housing market, though. But it's so pretty. I just, oh, God. Also, can we talk about how Thomas and McKenzie was originally supposed to play Jennifer Connelly's daughter? What? What? Yeah, she was originally supposed to play it and then dropped out to be in um, Last Night in Soho. Oh, well, maybe for the best. For the best, but like, what a weird casting choice. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Either way. But yeah, Top Gun, it's not the best movie I've seen this year, but it it is the phenomenon of the year that I think when people think of 2022, that's going to be the, like, the movie that I think so many people and uh the the masses and i don't mean that in a derogatory sense a lot of times i do this time i don't um uh and most importantly i would say probably the most important um like audience 
at least within American films that will remember this movie are um, dads. Yeah. At Christmas, your dad's going to be like, well, what was your favorite movie of the year? I know what mine was. It was Top Gun. <laughs> Do you want to watch shout it? Out, I bought it. Shout out to all the dads out there. Um, uh, I, but, who can blame them? I literally, yeah. when I saw Top Gun, I was like, I'm going to have something to talk about with my dad for once. <laughs> But yeah, even just like looking at the rest of my list, I mean, there's like some kind of cool genre stuff like X and the Cronenberg movie, which I feel like the Cronenberg movie is kind of underrated at this point, but like I really dug it. And I think it's just rated. I'm I am straight down the middle with it. I wish I liked it a lot more, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like I, I felt like it did a lot of cool stuff, but I also felt like there was a lot of unexplored territory that should have been a little more explored mm. um uh mostly like the forbidden lara bars and stuff i thought that was kind of like uh it was a weird twist in the third act of that movie but like and especially i hate saying it i just kept comparing it to possessor i was like all right let's mm. look at what your son's doing and let's look at what you're doing and unfortunately what your son's doing is a little bit more interesting right now and then kind of the other, I guess, smaller phenomenon of the year is Ugh. everything everywhere well, all at okay. once. Well, okay. I was which... say, I, I work at an art house theater, so you need to know how much of a how much of an Avengers Endgame level yeah. thing this was with our audience. It I mean, was... it's similar to the Top Gun thing, but on like a smaller scale of just like a movie that has stayed in theaters for months and months just based yep. off of like strong word, word of, of mouth. mouth first weekend of everything everywhere all at once we had a fair amount like we had a good amount of people come definitely like one of the more attended movies um that we'd had since reopening last july you know it's been sort of rough second weekend sold out screenings full packed houses we kept that movie in theater in our theaters we keep movies i would say at most two weeks at our theater Mm -hmm. We kept everything everywhere all at once for seven weeks because it just wouldn't stop making money. Yeah. The, and for the good art reason. house theater near where where I live has I think it was only just recently it stopped playing there. Like it's yeah. been playing there nonstop since yeah. March or whenever that movie came out. Yeah, it like we got it I think April eighth, and it wasn't until almost it was it was like early June that we finally had to get rid of it. And we only got rid of it because we only have two screens. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we we just unfortunately like Downton came and we just had to like try to shuffle around stuff. But um, yeah, that really was like the runaway hit of the year. I would say, I mean, I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is a better film than Top Gun, I think, as a whole. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, I think it's my second it's my second favorite film of the year. It's just I think it's wonderful. It's lovely. It's 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 in it's new. And that's what I think so many people identified with, because it's just like we've so much of everything now is sequels to stuff franchise stuff etc 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 and that still can be good obviously we just talked about top gun that's like amazing they took a a franchise and kept it conventional but like made did the tom made the tom cruise of it all out of it um but everything ever all at once it's like you're going in with nothing and you're leaving with literally everything but like it just does so many different things that you've never seen before and even if it like it's not 
it's not purporting to balance all of those things perfectly, but in turn, that kind of messiness works with the story it's telling. Yeah. It's really, it's really quite ingenious how it kind of works in tandem with its narrative to like create something so chaotic and out there that it doesn't really have to make sense. And in fact, shouldn't make sense. It's just, I, I loved it. I mean, who, like everyone kind of did in a sense, since Josh Martin, but like, um, yeah, I mean, I it, it's just a very special movie, I think, to, to a lot of different people. And I think a lot of people uh, uh had a lot more emotional connection to it because I think a lot of people saw themselves either in Michelle Yeoh's character, Kiki Kwan's character, um, Stephanie Sue, maybe even in Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, you know, sure. there's, there's a lot there's. There's a lot of uh, sympathy to be found in what early on are caricatures that are mm-hmm. delved into giving them a sense of like of of real depth and sympathy to them. Even again, even like Jamie Lee Curtis's character, who at first is just like you're just a cold number cruncher who like is trying to ruin this family, and it's like she's really not. She's just mm-hmm. tired and like you know and and the more you get to go into that whether it be through um hot dog finger lesbianism it's just it's it's uh, it's gorgeous i think it is so yeah i I think i think the the thing for me that i think has helped it be such a word of mouth phenomenon and kind of cross over a little bit into mainstream audiences is it's not that sort of like high the high concept premise and how like goofy and absurd it is being matched with like the emotions and characters in it are very real and very um relatable and there's like you know at the end of the day it's a movie about like a family that is like growing apart kind of learning to appreciate each other and come back together and that's something like very universal that so many different audience members can relate to and i think is a big part of like why people are recommending it to each other and why it's remained yeah. this kind of word of mouth phenomenon even with a movie that as you said has like hot dog fingers and like a ratatouille raccoon parody and butt plug and dildo jokes and all all of this sort of craziness wrapped up in it but yet the emotional core at the center yeah. of it is something or like a, almost like a one car y film within a right there's know. a y- <laughs> It's like beautiful. It's just like I just just like I would watch the Daniels make like a Hong Kong romance. Film. Right. Like exactly. this is just it's just like there's so many things done well in it. And I think it's special for so many different people on so many different levels. It's like, you know, there are things to relate for with like like children of immigrant families and like people who find themselves in like dead end jobs or find themselves trapped or feel like they're never going to like get out of their routine and like it just gives them that sort of like just that little bit of hope of like there's always something in life to like kind of maybe not like look forward to and just to kind of fuck your shit up a little bit it's just kind of and obviously like what i mean maybe not maybe it's real but you know there's just there's just a lot to it that I think resonates with a lot of people, particularly a lot of people kind of like our age and a little older that like mm-hmm. are realizing that the world in which they were promised as children might not actually exist. Um, 
kind of giving them the chance to like look beyond that it's just there's so many different that's the yeah. beauty of it there's so many different ways to take everything everywhere all at once and i think depending on your kind of lot in life is how you're going to walk away from it and so it's a uh, it's yeah special movie like it not my it's my second favorite of the year well, what but... what would be your your favorite of the year because maybe this is an opportunity for us to both talk about what thus far halfway through the year is our favorite thing that we've seen my favorite of the year is an obscure French film because of Go. fucking course it is. It's um so my favorite film of the year is uh Gaspar Noé's Vortex. Yeah, talk about it. Um, we haven't mentioned it on the show before. No, I haven't even seen it, but I've heard No, no one or, has. That's yeah. the thing. I just keep fucking yelling at people to go see it and everyone's like, "Oh, okay." Um but it's Which, on it which Gaspar Noé, because he had two movies this year, right? Is This is the one with Dario Argento. Dario Argento and Francois Lebrun and Alex Lutz. Um, so Lux Eterna, his other one, is also on my list of best movies of the year, but it's a little bit further down. It's not quite like 100%. That's like a short film. It's like 50, okay. It's like 52 minutes. I think it's mm-hmm. like just long enough to be considered a feature film, but it's not. It's, re- it's genuinely... A, it's a, a weird Yves Saint Laurent ad. Like, okay. And it so premiered lo- at... Long enough to be a feature film, but too short to be a Stranger Things episode. Deadass, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was... That came out like a week before Vortex did. So like Yellow Veil released that one. Utopia released Vortex. But Lux Eterna is a really weird, like, kind of descent into madness on a film set it's really interesting it's quite good i really do recommend watching it but that is gaspar in a way doing gaspar in a way it is stroby it is weird it's horror like it's you know it's very self-referential it's a, almost a little it's up its own ass a little bit mm-hmm. um and that premiered at uh can three years ago in 20 oh wow well, it's kind of hard. Like, how do you pick up and release a 51-minute movie? Right, yeah. So, and sometimes it, that happens with can releases is there's sometimes one will come out and be like, oh, well, this was actually for at, like, can or TIFF, like, four years ago or something yeah, like that. And it's yes. just been struggling to find distribution. And that's why they came out so close to each other because, like, it's just that Lux Eterna finally found the, um, the ba- mm-hmm. like, the, the backing from Yellow Veil, which is, like, a new very upstart avant-garde genre studio so like it works out that way um vortex on the other hand so um after lux eterna it should be worth noting that um um gaspar Noway, uh who has struggled with drug abuse in his life um if you can't tell from his films um had a stroke a really debilitating stroke that like almost killed him um and so vortex is kind of his reaction to that mm-hmm. and it's also his uh it's kind of his version of like Mikhail Haneke's amour oh. and yeah so whatever you think so uh, if Lux Eterna is Gaspar Noé doing all of the Gaspar Noé bullshit that you expect him to do the the strobes the out there the the just really aggressive, like in your face, weird avant-garde French shit. Vortex is the antithesis of that. This is a really soft, really gentle film about aging and death and losing one's 
sense of kind of direction and memory. It follows a, a an old couple, Dario Argento, that Dario Argento, the one, you know, the director who did, you know, Deep Red and Suspiria and yeah. and all of these, you know, pioneered kind of the giallo genre. And Francoise Lebrun, who is a, an obviously an older French actress, and Alex Lutz, who plays their son, who comes around. It is a two and a half hour movie shot entirely in split screen. One side of the screen is Dario Argento's perspective, and the other side is in Francoise Lebrun's perspective. And it's as Francoise Lebrun, um, slow her dementia slowly starts to um, kind of catch up with her. And it's Dario Argento at the same time having to both keep up with her while also coming to terms with the fact that his wife mentally is kind of gone a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and then every now and then cutting in with their son, who is obviously having to deal with the fact that obviously everything that's going on and, and it's kind of crushing, but also beautiful and it's not the sort of you think of like oh okay cool like Gaspar Noé doing a film about old people it's like okay cool by the end of the movie they're gonna um, reach this really awful violent horrible right death. they're gonna eat each it's other like, with cannibalism or something <laughs> literally it, and there's this almost fear going in of like oh what if I like these people and then he really like fucks with me on this he really doesn't this is a genuinely gentle and like really emotional film that you can tell it's like Gaspar Noé with like a very different approach to uh approach on life and death and after kind of almost experiencing it himself and it's really quite um it's it, it, it is incredibly interesting to see him kind of take such a sharp turn with a movie um that being said there's still a ton of Gaspar Noéisms in it. It being sh- shot entirely in split screen is like, mm-hmm. oh, a fucking course. Like, you know, at first you're like, oh, that's a cool thing, like that they're doing, and then you're like, oh wait, this is gonna be the entirety of this two and a half hour long movie. Cool, mm-hmm. awesome. But then it works though. It really, it's really quite a a, a very very cool effect, um, especially when the when the scenes cross paths. Mm-hmm. And you can see them doing it, but like obviously cameras aren't there. It's so 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 cool. Um, but it kind of takes place all within one apartment, and mm-hmm. it's very claustrophobic, but also like it's unsettling. But it's not a it's not a thriller. It's not a horror film by any means. It's just a a quite dark, um, very sad, but also not like soul crushingly sad look at aging there's this sort of like beauty to their relationship because you can tell these people love each other but also like they're in the monotony of having lived with each other for probably i think at this point like 50 years but also at the same time there's the frustration of like we aren't the same people as we have been and then there's obviously the frustration of she just doesn't really know where she is half the time i swear to god if the Oscars were fair, if Utopia was like a big enough distributor to get it out there, Francoise Lebrun could sweep in and take Best Actress hands down from what I've oh, seen wow. this year. I mean, nothing quite like it. Um, 
yeah, I really do think it 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 is worth watching, even if you hate Gaspar Noé stuff, even if like you're very kind of like triggered and off put by his his style of of filmmaking, um, it, from seeing things you know obviously like um like Irreversible or Enter the Void or mm-hmm. um or Climax that are very aggressive out there kind of horror films this is one that is incredibly unlike anything he's ever done and i do think it's worth um it's worth checking out even if you are kind of uh repelled by his other work because this is so different that being said if you are repelled by his other work don't watch lux eterna because it is nothing but his other work um well that's a good kind of outside the box pick that most people probably haven't seen um Mine, I try I think, not to be that sort of asshole who's like, the movie you need to see this year is like, you know, like, I, I, I hate being that sort of person. That being said, most of my list this year is that a little bit. It's more but, interesting than if you had just, you know, gone around and said something that, like, everyone has seen at this point. My number this one point. movie this year is uh, The Northman. Actually, The Northman's on my list, too. So, like... No, yeah, I, the Northman. The Northman does the North, rule. <laughs> the Northman is quite good, but you know you've heard of the Northman. But yes, I'm here to help you broaden your horizons. Um, yes. but no, I don't want to be that sort of person. But really, you know, uh, I know it's elitist to watch to watch foreign movies, but it this one really is. It, it, it's quite worth it. I really do think it's a well, very special movie. Well, I'm going to piggyback off that because my favorite movie is also a foreign movie, but it is, you know, a raucous populist blockbuster that, you know, kind of puts 99% of our American blockbusters to shame. Um, it's the... Roar. Wait, what is what do they stand for? I think it's it's it's, it's Rise, Rise, Roar, Revolt. Revolt. Um, it's, the movie R- R- <laughs> it's the movie RRR, which is an Indian Tollywood movie. Um, I first kind of like started seeing the, the trailer for this movie kind of went viral a little bit in our little film Twitter corner. And then I started hearing of people who saw it at, um, you know, in places of the country where there's big Indian populations, this movie Here is in Raleigh at, yeah. at the Raleigh grand, they were doing tons of screenings of it. They do. Uh, I mean, Raleigh and Cary, um, if you guys don't know, in, in North Carolina, there's huge Indian populations in Raleigh mm. and Cary. Um, so I remember when that dropped, there were, it was like, okay, cool. Do you want to see like Batman? Do you want to see like all of these things? And it's like, oh, awesome. Cool. Um, or do you want to see RRR at 20 different times of the day in four different <laughs> languages? Yeah. And, and I think so... that's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. So, and then from there, like, you know, heard of people who just sort of stumbled in and saw it and um, talking about how awesome it was. Th- this movie is a giant, giant deal in India. And I don't know about you. I am Indian cinema is kind of a blind spot for me. I've only seen like one or two movies. I did not realize until I like read a bit more about this movie that there are, you know, there are broader Indus film industries within india it's a much more sort of diverse um yeah it's like country Hindi, in terms of its film Hindi, right like, Tamil, like it's not Telugu, all bollywood Mayamalam. Yeah. yeah it's like yeah. it's a whole thing all depending on just which part of the country you're in yeah so this is a tollywood movie which are they're very bombastic they're very over the top um it is a mo- sort of 
fictional historical epic about two real life revolutionaries in India's history um, and kind of hypothesizes like what what if they were actually best friends and went on adventures together um so it's not exactly a like super historically accurate movie it's historical fiction but it is a movie that is like one part historical action and epic um one part buddy comedy one part big lavish musical and it's just one of the more exhilarating things i've seen all year i sadly missed the opportunity to see it in theaters i think it so much hype grew online about this movie um in specific film corners that uh they brought it back in theaters yeah. in several american cities um the plaza here in atlanta of course it. i had covid the one night it was Kate yeah i i sadly had some uh, other like prior commitments the one night that they sort of like brought it back here in town but it is available to watch on netflix the well... one cov- the caveat that's the reason is, i haven't seen it yet yeah is because the, it's not in the it's native language it's not in the watch. original language it's dubbed in hindi um i want to watch because it in, i want to watch it in telugu but you have to get like a special like a specific a specific like, vpn or something to watch no, it no it's that, like or, you can watch it in america but it's like on a very specific stream, streaming like, service. like bollywood or not like indian film streaming service yeah um and but but uh, letting people know, know they, that there's an option to see like a version of it on Netflix, which is where I watched it. Um, and just knowing that, you know, the, the audio is not going to be the, the exact audio of the, the original movie itself. Um, but even still, like this is a big maximalist, like stretch every moment for just like maximum entertainment and it's just it is over three hours, but it is like one of the most exhilarating things. A I've lot seen of in Indian films are a lot are much are typically much much longer than American films right. are. So like three hours is like a two hour movie in America. Yeah, and the two guys who are at the center of it, they are you know the biggest movie stars in India. Um, as I was kind of hinting earlier, this this movie is in India, like what an Avengers movie would be here. Like it's that level of like event. I think it's like, if not the highest grossing movie in that country's history, it's like the second highest grossing movie in that country's history at this point. Um, It's just, if you're looking for, you know, if you enjoyed something like Top Gun and want like another, like big, fun, exhilarating blockbuster experience that this movie delivers on all of that. And I I just watched the whole thing with a giant grin on my face. Like I said, I think it puts 99% of our blockbusters here in the United States to shame in terms of just how willing it is to just sort of indulge in spectacle, indulge in style, um, not having, you know, willing to be big and colorful and... And loud and lavish and a little bit campy and a little bit silly in places. Um, while also is like a story about like people uprising against evil colonial British people. Um, yeah. it's it's just a like wonderful movie and it's I, I it hasn't quite been the crossover of something we talked about earlier, like everything everywhere all at once. I wouldn't say it's like yeah. crossed into mainstream, but it is a movie that I think a lot of cinephiles here in the united states have kind of noticed and hopped on and 
are really championing as like this is one of the best things of the year thus far um if you are eager for another great blockbuster experience whether you watch it at home or if you get the opportunity to see it in a theater i would love to see this in a theater i've seen videos of like the kind of ecstatic reactions we were talking about in top gun of like that times 10 of people seeing this in a movie theater um it's it's just one of the more dazzling movies i think i've seen all year yeah well it is i'm looking right now it is the high a third highest grossing film in india ever okay um bahubali 2 in 2017 still has it but also a movie that's out right now just beat it actually interesting kgf chapter 2 which is a Kannada language i apologize if i misspoke um but yeah uh ironically for everyone thinking that um that obviously like indian films are all hindi language the top three um highest grossing uh films in india ever were not even in hindi telugu canada and another telugu film i again i'm very sorry if i'm mispronouncing those yeah i i mean i think that hints at like this has also been an exciting kind of gateway movie for me of like oh indian cinema is just something that i have next to no knowledge on and is like it's exciting to sort of stumble upon or find like a whole new treasure trove of movies and like a country that you know i feel like here in the states we maybe think of like oh yeah it's bollywood musicals you know slumdog millionaire which is not an indian movie it's just a movie set in india yeah. but of like that's that's the narrow window we think of and like as a country yeah. it's it's industry is so much more diverse um than you it's could possibly imagine huge because it is like kind of i mean even though it is one country it's so many different like languages and cultures that make up mm-hmm. almost like almost like a like a collection of countries or you mm-hmm. know it's it's so diverse just within the the borders of india it's 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 really really quite cool um yeah i mean i saw one a couple of years ago bajira mastani because i saw it because it had actually like larger actors who had broken into um american mm-hmm. films so like Deepika padakone um uh uh Ranveer Singh I think was it Ranveer Singh you know and then uh, Priyanka Chopra and that's a movie it's so interesting it's like romance but also a huge action war film but then mm-hmm. also a beautiful musical it's every it's it's, 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 like it's this. everything it's like, everywhere all at once right it's like why why limit ourselves to one genre let's have yeah. three or four and it's kind you know, of it, and that's get the most of out of your money so cool like I wish you know and I think as America kind of delves into this kind of like singular content farm type thing i do think that people are going to start looking to like indian films because they aren't so limited by that but also like you really can like uh there's just so much yes and it's like it's like oh okay cool well i want to watch a musical but also i kind of want to watch an action film but i also kind of want to watch a romance movie and it's like good you only have to watch one movie Here's here's Save five some... that are all of those things. <laughs> Instead of watching three two-hour movies, how about you just watch one three-hour movie? And it's like, oh, yeah, perfect. Well, let's kind of run through some stuff that um, I, you know, there's kind of two movies that are sort of just now out. 
one of them I've seen and you haven't seen and another one that you've seen I haven't seen. So you've seen The Black Phone, which I yes. haven't. Um, I unfortunately had COVID and wasn't able to go to the screening. But, oh, um, boo-hoo. Th- I don't want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> this is the new uh, horror film from Scott derrickson and uh is produced by blumhouse and has ethan hawk in it i'm i'm curious like how does it compare to some of the other blumhouse uh horror projects specifically some of the other ones that have like you know ethan hawk has been in several of these blumhouse horror movies like how, how does this compare to something like sinister which was their other uh yeah. project they did together or like the first purge that he was in um, well, the first purge sucks, so, like, I don't really care that much yeah. about that. I don't like really any of the purge movies, so, like, it's not that big of a deal there. Um, there was it, one I saw ter- that was, like, fine, but I can't remember which one it was. It definitely I wasn't think the, the Anarchy first one. was the best one, but it's not, that's not saying much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, the Black Phone, it's much, it's much less oppressive than Sinister, um, okay. Sinister is a movie that is so insanely like depressing and especially by like its end game. It's just it is almost oppressive and I I really do respect it for that. Um this is a lot less so. It's much more of just kind of like a white knuckle thriller with a slight supernatural twist to okay. it. Okay. Um it's I just, it's really quite excellent. I, I, I really enjoyed it because what I, I like it when a film can take place in a certain time period and not beat you over the head with it. Because I do think we have a bit of Stranger Things syndrome going on now where it's like, look how 80s it is. Look how all of this. And this takes place in 1978. Yeah. It's very much so just of its time in that, like, it really plays off of the, um, the kind of domestic terror that something like someone like john wayne gacy brought to Mm. like suburban america um and particularly it kind of was one of the first times that like boys were like really quite hunted as opposed to like you know at that point it was always like protect your little girls it's like no these fucking psychos want little boys too so um weirdly for as dark as that sounds it's quite a fun movie because it's a it's kind of a cat and mouse between uh finney who is cat obviously kidnapped by uh the grabber played by ethan hawk um and then his psychic sister using her psychic powers to find her brother uh sounds super stupid but surprisingly she's kind of the mvp of the film um and then from there uh, ethan hawk in this it's very he's having a blast it is it is john wayne gacy by way of johnny depp's willy wonka <laughs> like almost like it's almost michael jackson-y just like uh-huh it's it's so interesting but he's also so terrifying too because he's an a very imposing presence there was one point Lindsay dunn who was in my screening with me like asked me she's like there's a scene where Ethan Hawke's sitting on a chair shirtless, like just breathing really deeply, waiting for him to come up to try to escape. And she's like, that was Ethan Hawke's actual body? And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. He is this imposing, dense presence that mm-hmm. also just speaks kind of really softly and almost like, it it, it, it really is a frightening disconnect. Um and I read something the other day, too. A lot of people were like, oh, it's like, you know, 
it's like gay washing. It's like he's they're showing that he's like gay and likes little boys. And it's like there's not a point in that movie where it's like that. Everyone who's saying that literally is just assuming that he's a gay character. He's not. There's no like weird sexual shit going on here. He's literally just a child murderer. It's very, very fun. And it's one of the more lighthearted Scott Derrickson horror films because um I think of something like Sinister, which again, it's like not a happy ending. It's violent. It's really, really oppressive throughout. And you think of something like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, where there's really no happy ending to be found, no matter how that ending would have suffice just because like mm-hmm. obviously it's a movie about a girl dying in an exorcism and uh at that point in the film the girl is already dead so um no matter how it ended up for tom wilkinson's character or lenny's character like it's just how it was um excellent movie though i think very underrated um cool. i'm i'm looking forward to to watching it especially as someone who just loves ethan hawk and i'd I'd heard a lot of hype about it hawking he's really but it's also something very new it's not it's not a role i would necessarily have like read on a page and been like oh yeah ethan hawk but obviously with their working relationship i know scott derrickson probably immediately was like i don't know if he can do this but i'm calling him regardless and i think it was a very worthwhile uh worthwhile call it's a it's an interesting bit of casting that i think really really does work out Great. Um, well, something I saw that I don't think you've seen. I saw Marcel the Shell, which is... I have not seen it. I don't think the, it's in... I don't know if it's in theaters around here yet. Yeah, it, it kind of just came out around here in Atlanta. It's um, basically an ad- adapted from like a YouTube short. Oh, um, I'm, that... I'm absolutely so incredibly aware of Marcel the Shell. I'm just saying for, for, the, yeah. <laughs> for the... the listeners who might not know what this is i this wouldn't normally be the kind of content i would seek out i think like my sister was the one who like first showed me the little short that was basically just like a little stop motion shell with shoes and he's like very very small and is just sort of showing the tiny little miniature world that he lives in um but is voiced by jenny slate um and now it's been adapted into a full feature length film that a24 is putting out um i i seem to be kind of in the minority of it it sort of fell into this category for me of like similar to the bob's burgers movie that it seems like kind of came and went in theaters but you can stream now of like this is something that i found like really charming and like a small snackable size running time but then like kind of felt bloated what has jenny slate done to you nothing i love jenny slate you just keep disparaging every movie that she's in here. Just kidding. You actually said nice things about everything everywhere all at once. But like, I love Jenny. Bob's Slate. Burgers, Marcel the Shell. What did? What is your problem with her? And I love Bob's Burgers normally as like a you know twenty minute episodes, but it kind of felt like an over. I'm in the minority on both of these things. Um, I will say, uh, I know plenty of colleagues of you and i that like loved marcel the shell daniel feingold who's been on this podcast and was like at the press screening with me here in atlanta he walked out and was like that was perfect that was exactly what i want so maybe if you're looking for something kind of sweet and innocent and just kind of like a warm bath then maybe check it out although for me it was like i i'm this was charming when it was like a two minute youtube video and as like an almost two hour movie this is like a, a little too much of of marcel so back in the day i did not know that 
Jenny Slate was Marcel Shell. I was like, oh, that's a cute voice actor. And then, like, later it was like, oh, yeah, this person that you watched, you know, dropped the F-bomb on SNL and, like, on her first episode and, um, you know, all this stuff. Like, did you know that that was actually Marcel Shell the whole time? It was just kind of nice. It's a nice little full cir- circle moment a little bit, but. I think if A24 is smart, they should campaign this for effects. For yeah, I mean, it's always been year. pretty. Uh, it, it's always been pretty, like, impressive when it comes to that. If only because like it is so kind of homespun and like right. It feels very docu. It, you know, it's the movie is meant to be like a documentary yeah. as the short is, and so it's impressive for like how much it feels like a real documentary while also kind of the very intricate little stop motion animation that's happening within yeah. this documentary format. Um, that's just a little, little advice. A 24, some, some effects awards. I'd push They've already there. won best visual effects before for Rex Machina. Yeah. They can do um, it. Literally beat all of these like big ass blockbusters this year. Go for it. Um, let's kind of look ahead at the rest of the year. Um, I would prefer not are, are to. You feel, are you feeling optimistic? No. Pessimistic? No. No, I've already seen Mad God, so that's all I need to see this year. Um, that that I saw I saw that the other day during uh when I was down with COVID. That is that's a wild, really messed my number up three of the year. I love that this movie. year. Uh, so weird. Just, okay, if um, you want to see some just depraved, some of the most depraved truly. imagery you'll see in a movie all year. It it's know. it's kind of weird. It it for me feels like we can kind of. It's weird for the rest of the summer. It feels like the first half of the summer has been like so packed with big movies and then the rest of the summer feels kind of light. I mean, I've I've seen the new Thor movie. I've seen Where the Crawdads Sing. I don't know that I can technically speak on those because of embargo, but I think you've you've heard in private my thoughts on both of them. Yeah. Um I would say, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Jordan Peele movie that's coming out here in a couple very, weeks. Very, very, very excited for that. I obviously that's, that's probably the blockbuster movie I am most looking forward to for the rest of the year. Which then it feels weird that like there's five more months of of stuff. Like I'm I'm optimistically curious about the Black Panther sequel and about it's the not Avatar happening. sequel. I'm sorry, it's not happening. They just I don't even think they're wrapped filming yet. It's not happening. They, I think they have just wrapped filming, but that that production kind of had that was very start and stop. I mean, they, they were shooting that for a while diff- here. More unfortunate things to happen do- to it during post production. Yeah, it needs another year. Release it next year, like around, like maybe before or after Dune comes out, but before all of the Christmas movies do. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know. Just, I don't Or maybe make it another, uh, maybe just put it out in like April or something. I think there's a lot of, not just the Chadwick Boseman stuff and how big a phenomenon the first movie was, but also a lot of expectations on that movie for like, it's expectations. This, this most it's recent. The, the Letitia Wright stuff, which I think worked itself out in the end, luckily, because yeah. I, do, I am but rooting even, for her. I really am. Yeah. So like, I'm glad they could get something worked out there. I hope it ends up being worthwhile in the end. Um, but even it seems like, even though the sh- tons of people watch the shows and the movies are still huge hits, it, it feels like the, the general cultural perception around this most recent phase of Marvel movies has been like, 
it's kind of a letdown. Oh, it absolutely and like, this, is. This has been kind of the weakest run of movies they've had. And, you know, without, without maybe breaking my Thor embargo, I don't know that that's going to Change. totally buck the <laughs> buck. Yeah. That perception is what I'll say. But like, you know, I think there's now some expectations on like, depending on what the, if the reception for this Thor movie is going to be what I think it's going to be based off the press screening I went to, like, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of expectations on like, is the Black Panther sequel the thing to like finally turning the ship around? Um, even though I'm sure Kevin Feige is laughing at me on his pile of money right now. But. Yeah, dead ass. I don't think it. I, again, I think if what's it called? Uh, I think if quality were a thing, that ship would have sailed a long time ago. So. <laughs> Kevin Feige's come around. He's like, I'm going to start putting my name in the credits now. I'm going to start calling it a Kevin Feige production. Kevin Feige's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That's what dead ass. That's kind of what they're doing. But regardless, yeah, I don't think I just I don't see that happening at all. Um, I mean, there's still some things left. Like, obviously, nope. I'm excited to see um, Bullet Train. I think that looks fun. Yeah. Um, I, I I love Brad Pitt, so I'm that. The first trailer for that I thought looked really fun. The second trailer that I saw that ran in front of Top Gun I thought looked really bad. But so I'm hoping that that's just the marketing for this movie is a little confusing to me and seems a little like yeah shrug and cheap. But like I I I'm excited for and of kind of action comedy with all those people in it. Yeah, it's that a seems huge really cast. Fun. And I mean, Lady Gaga was supposed to be in it, but then she dropped out. Yeah, but. Is, um, wasn't she supposed to have the Sandra Bullock role? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, with the anime hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. I'm 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 excited for that. Um, I'm excited for Three Thousand Years of Longing. Yeah. They showed a I trailer don't... for that in front of Mr. Malcolm's List yesterday, and I took my grandma to see that movie, and that was a lot of sensory for a lot of sense. Sensory. That that looks like a movie that is like only made for like. The crowd you and I hang out with. Oh, absolutely! But, <laughs> but totally. that looks like a movie like no one else is going to be into, except for like us, us people that are like, oh, cool. George Miller made a really crazy movie about like a hot genie, yeah, and his crazy misadventures. Like that sounds awesome, but yeah. Um, and then um, I'm excited for Salem's Lot. I've been I've been into King stuff recently. I just I just read The Mist and watched The Mist for the first time. And so good um oof. um what an but, ending oh i mean stephen king's ending to the mist it's like we will find hope we will prevail we won't stop fighting against this thing and frank darabont's ending is like oh you can go fuck yourself in your fat fucking ass <laughs> like it's you yeah oh god but um i'm excited to see what they do with salem's law because i feel like salem's Lot's one of those like classic king titles that has never quite gotten something good enough to justify itself yeah there's that iconic miniseries from the 70s that toby hooper made that i know as iconic as some people say i don't think it's that... I, I think it's big for people who like saw it as kids yeah. when it was on TV, but like but it doesn't it doesn't do salem's lot justice and then they did mm. that 2004 miniseries on tnt which was I, I've just only seen parts of it, but it, it was a 2004 miniseries on TNT. I don't really think I need to say <laughs> that, much that more says about that. all you need to know. So I'm interested to see what they do with this one. It's it's directed by Gary Dauberman, who's done um, 
a lot of the stuff within the conjuring universe mm. uh and i think james is james one producing it i know it's at new line cinema but no he's not producing it Roy lee's producing it who produced the it movies so it's kind mm. of in that ilk which um on one hand could be great but on the other hand could be awful um, there's there's a giant gap. Are of we talking about it chapter, chapter one or, one or it chapter, chapter two? two? Yeah, are we gonna? Oh, what are you the producer of? Are you the producer of one or two? Because that's really gonna um, affect my thing. And then uh, Lewis Pullman's the lead in it. He's playing Ben Mears. Lewis Pullman was very good in um, Top Gun. So um, I want to marry Bob. So um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I think. Um, what else did Gary Doberman direct? He wrote it. And he also wrote and directed Annabelle Comes Home, but he also wrote the first Annabelle movie, too. So it's a little bit of a crapshoot. And, I mean, that's just kind of how it is with King stuff. It's always crapshoots. You yeah. never really know if it's going to be good or bad. I hope it's good for Salem Lot's sake. Um, but I just hope I'm... it's not a fire starter again. <laughs> don't say that. Like, <laughs> we don't talk about that. But even looking ahead, so like even like the fall festival sort of like the second half of the year, we maybe get less of the blockbusters, but it's the real focus is on the kind of like auteur driven movies. I'm a little curious how this fall slate's going to come out because, you know, we've heard in recent weeks of like some stuff is, like the Wes Anderson movie, the Ari Aster movie, Jonathan Glazer's movie, Yorgos Lanthimos, like those aren't coming out until next year. No. Um there's a few movies like I'm really excited for Steven Spielberg just being like, I'm going to straight work through my issues with my parents' divorce and the yeah. Fablemans, but that's not coming out until November. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, you know, darling. It the- could be interesting. Could be a trash fire. Who right. Knows? I'm I, yeah. Who we will see whether Olivia Wilde is the, is auteur Olivia Wilde yeah. or, I you would know, love I probably, it if she was, I think yeah. it's great, and I think there's real potential in this movie. It's just I can't tell off of one trailer and one other movie you've directed that is an entirely 180 degree. Right, it's something from different. What yeah. you did before, but I mean, the trailer looks gorgeous. It has an interesting kind of Stepford Wives-ish plot. Great cast. Yeah, I'm excited um, for Florence Pugh more than it's anything. A very it cast. It's like yes. Florence and Harry Styles. It, which, like, obviously, there's also the, like, outer... The behind-the-scenes yeah. drama But that with can't that. always say stuff, because we saw Deep Water, so... Um, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it could be interesting. I hope it's interesting. It also could be a trash fire, but I, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That comes out pretty yeah. early in the... Um, that's that's September, it is September is when that's yeah. coming so that's out. Pretty, that's pretty soon. Um, um, I mean, there's, there's other stuff, like, I think the Scorsese movie which there is a little bit of back and forth of like is that coming out this year but it sounds like it probably is just like very very late in the year like what that is the skipping release the fest- on that gonna be like is that gonna be um because I know Paramount and Apple are doing it so, so I'm it gonna- not clear what the like no I, I believe it is getting a theatrical yet. release like like Apple has said like we're going to put it in theaters but it seems like from what I've gathered now from some reporting people have done talking to Apple is they're like, we're really pushing to try and get this to come out this year. But if it's, it's, it's sounding like it's probably going to be a thing of like, it gets a very small kind of like 
qualifying run like yeah like december December, 28th and then like fully comes out like early next year or something like that because it sounds like but it says here that paramount is the distributor within the united states though Mm. and that apple is just funding it for their streaming i don't know who knows yeah because paramount also has the damien chazelle movie which i've heard a lot of hype about but it sounds like they're maybe going to skip the fall festivals and that's just going to roll out in yeah i December. think it's what like christmas but i bet you it's christmas in new york and la only yeah yeah um, it seems like that type of thing um and then so. like the other like movies coming to the festival like netflix's slate is a little weird this year like there's stuff that like um i mean obviously there's the knives out sequel which is sounds like is going to premiere at tiff um and then there's stuff like you know there's a lot <laughs> You've seen Oh Hello, right? The the John Mulaney, Nick Kroll show? Yeah. Okay, so you know there's, like, the bit in there where Nick Kroll goes into the audience and, like, sees the, like, teenage kids and is like, are you enjoying any of this? <laughs> Do, are you getting any of this? There's a couple Netflix projects that feel like, this This sounds like something for me, but for a larger audience, I'm like, are, are you even going to enjoy this? <laughs> Netflix's decision to stop fucking doing this. Right, like... I'm excited for a three-hour NC-17 Marilyn Monroe movie directed by Andrew Dominic and starring uh, Ana de Armas. Is that going to be for everyone? Probably not. I'm no. excited for like a $100 million wild uh, Don DeLillo white noise adaptation from Noah Baumbach that stars Adam Driver and uh, Greta Gerwig. But that sounds like that's not going to be for everyone. No. Guillermo del Toro is doing a stop motion Pinocchio movie that's actually about fascism, which that sounds interesting, but also kind of maybe people want more of the Robert Zemeckis uh, Pinocchio than they, they do of that. Or the Lionsgate Grindstone Entertainment Polly Shore Pinocchio. Um, I mean, there's an Alejandro Inarritu movie coming. That's actually not for me. I don't. I. I. I can't get on that train. I'll say that. Um, is there anything you know from the auteur side that you're kind of looking forward to, or that catches your eye, or is maybe like a this is just for Hunter? Um. Well, I mean, I think I'm the only person left who has any faith in the new Halloween movies. So, oh. <laughs> um, I am co- looking forward. Michael to Myers Halloween. gets COVID. The movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually very much so looking forward to Halloween Ends, but I know no one else is at this point, because I enjoyed Halloween Kills. Um, but it's fine, whatever. Um, I would say, God, it's not... Uh, this is not a movie that I would say is just for Hunter by any means. Um, actually, I'll, I'll I'll speak on a on a smaller one real quick, actually. Um, Shudder's going to release a movie later this year called Speak No Evil that I got to see at Sundance this year, and that is genuinely one of the scariest movies I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah. You've and told that me about should that. be something that should be on everyone's, um, everyone's, like, to-watch list. I am incredibly interested to see what James Cameron does with Avatar. I mean, it's... I'm kind of with you, like, I don't, I don't know that I needed an Avatar sequel, but, like we can't we can't bet history is not kind to those who bet against james cameron is the thing i've been telling people (laughs) for years and i'm not gonna lie that trailer still blew me away when i saw dr strange and that was literally 60 percent of the reason i went to go see dr strange yeah it's beautiful he does he does he gives good he gives good blockbuster it's it's as the (laughs) you've seen the south park james cameron episode right 
I've seen bits and pieces. The the bit when he's just like turns to the crew on the ship and is like, James Cameron doesn't do what he does for James Cameron. James Cameron does what he does because he is James Cameron. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, for the rest of the year that I would say other than that, I'm excited in next February for a Night Shyamalan's new movie. Oh, that's right. He's doing, which I just found out is an ad- adaptation of one of my favorite books. Oh. Yeah, Knock the Cabin. I didn't know it's actually a secret adaptation of uh, The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay, oh. which is lovely. And if that means everything is correct in how casting went, it means that Jonathan Groff and Dave Batista are playing a gay married couple. interesting yeah and rupert grant plays a like um like an apocalypse spouting like crazy person who shows up at their cabin with a group of like crazy people to kill them and their kid interesting yeah well hunter thank you for for stopping by this week enjoy the rest of your fourth of july weekend i hope all the listeners had a great fourth of july weekend uh i guess stay tuned next week We'll be discussing Thor Love and Thunder, a movie I'm not quite sure I can talk about right now, but we will go full spoilers into everything that happens and then tune in in the coming weeks. We'll talk Jordan Peele's new movie. Maybe we'll talk DC League what, of Super Pets. What What are your expectations for the, the, the Gray Man, the Netflix Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans action movie um, from I have the none. Russo Brothers? Okay literally like i don't it's like what do you how do you feel about that i don't feel about it yeah i gray gray, (laughs) it's a little too on the nose (laughs) i was just i was just thinking that i've been thinking that for like weeks and weeks of like i i wonder how much of that is like the on the nose uh (laughs) admission of like what the russo brothers aesthetic is of just like Dead yeah ass. it's a great parking lot in atlanta that's the aesthetic yeah. listen let's just like y'all can produce stuff please put your name on things because without that you would relic wouldn't have gotten made which was my favorite movie of 2020 and um what's it called um the everything ever all at once wouldn't have gotten made because you know they produced it as well but like maybe y'all don't, maybe y'all just be great well put your name well, on stuff use your clout make have other people make good stuff because maybe it's just not we'll leave it there stay tuned everyone